Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here today, and we want to welcome all who've joined us for worship in this room and all who have joined us online, and we really do want to welcome our guests. So if you are a first-time or a returning guest with us, we're really glad that you're here, and we want to take a moment to welcome you, so please give us that opportunity to do that. I keep being told by our new members, they will say, you know, you say you're a friendly church, and you really are, and that's part of why we're here. So good job to our members. Thank you for being a welcoming a place to be. And if you're a guest, I've just now raised the stakes and told you our reputation, so I hope we do a good job welcoming you to our members. I've given you a charge. Uh, we do want to get to get to know you, so my wife Aubrey and I will be standing in the back. Please come and say hello to us if you are a guest with us. We'd love to meet you, and, and we're just honored that you're here with us today. Uh, I want to say thanks to, to uh, William and Woods and Wyatt. Great job, guys. Uh, well done. That's an encouragement to us, and thanks to Nathan and Rachel for training your kids to memorize Scripture. That's really important, and it's great for the church to see that happening. So thank you, and thanks, Stacy for making that happen. Uh, we're, we're, we just love seeing that. I love seeing the kids up here doing that. Hey, reminder, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., uh, master class with Kurt Nickham from ACU. He'll be here. You don't need to register to attend, although if you need child care, I think there's a QR code in your bulletin. Let us know if we need to provide child care in order for you to attend. And to any of our young adults here, Jim Barnett has graciously folded this event into your normal plan. So I think he's communicated with you about some additional things going on that night. But any, all of our generations, from young adults and up, will be part of this master class. I am aware now that there's going to be a game on that night. Uh, but what I'm learning just watching this series is that anything before 8 o'clock, it's not that exciting. You, you'll do the class, and then the excitement starts happening in the second half of, of the game, apparently. Uh, but we do hope that you'll plan to be here, as Kurt talks about John's ideal disciples, finding friends in low places, and all the unlikely uh, folks that show up as the, the important followers of Jesus in John's gospel. I've been thinking for a couple of days about our friends who right now are worshiping just a few blocks east of us at Highland Park Presbyterian. And many of you know this, but they uh, just tragically lost their senior pastor, Brian Dunnigan, overnight. And I got a text Thursday at lunch, and it's just, it's just on my heart, friends. I'm really sad for that church. I'm really sad for Brian's family, for his wife and his three kids. And uh, in a minute, I want us to pray for that church and for his family. That's a tough thing. Brian was just a couple years older than me. Brian was someone I called before I even accepted this job. I wanted to talk to somebody who wasn't connected here at all, who wasn't trying to say a good or bad thing, just would be honest with me. And I said, Brian, what is it like to help lead a church and to raise your family around here? And Brian was so encouraging. And I really treasure that phone call. And then not long after we moved here, um, I made a, an appointment and we had lunch in Brian's office. I, wa I just walked down there. It's not that far. And we, he took me around. Brian knew the name of every employee he, went, he ran across in those hallways. And that's a large staff. And when we were finished, he said, you know, I've not seen your place. Let me walk down with you. So he, we just walked down McFarland and walked around here and, and just talked about our, our respective jobs. I'm really sad for his family, and I'm sad for that church. And so I want us to pray for them.
before we get into the message today. Father, we grieve with our, our friends down the road who are right now in the middle of worship that I'm sure feels different and hard as they mourn a tragic and sudden passing of someone they love so much who had been there through good times and difficult times. And Father, I'm thankful for what Brian has done uh, in this area for that church. I pray that you would be with them as they grieve and ask questions and go through a season of disorientation. And I pray for his wife and for his kids and for others in his family. Uh, would you hold them up right now? Uh, give our church eyes to see ways that we can serve his family and serve that church in the coming days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 15 today. And so if you want to meet me there in just a moment. Um, several decades ago, a sociologist named Mark Granovetter, and I'm probably saying his name wrong, <laughs> wrote a study, and it was called The Strength of Weak Ties. What he was investigating was how are people getting their jobs? What helps someone with a referral to, to get a position? As you know, and you've probably heard, for all the good and bad things, getting a job is less about your resume and more about who you know. And that's certainly more true in some industries than others. But he was investigating how did people get connected to the, these jobs that they had. And he determined that the main connector was not what he called a strong tie, like the people who are actually in your circle, but it's a weak tie. It's the person you met once or twice. It's someone who you see once a month at a, at a, at a business lunch. It's, it's the loose network connections. And if you think about it, that makes sense. Your strong ties, well, they have kind of the same friends you do. They can't really help you go somewhere else because they're where you are. But the, the weak ties, they might have a connection because they're a circle out. Maybe they can connect you to this other place that you want to go. And so many people found their jobs because of what he called weak ties. I don't know about you, but I sometimes think our whole society, for good and bad, is built off of weak ties. That may be the limit for many of us. If you, if you think about your connections, I wonder how many of them you would say are strong ties. Like you, you're really close friends with them. And how many of you, you would say, well, they're just a, a networking connection that I have. I mean, they're, they're in my contacts. If I call them, they might take it. I'm just growing convinced that our society is mainly built off of weak ties. And I'm not sure that's a good thing when it comes to our relationships. When we get to John chapter 15, Jesus has, he's kind of in his final discourse, his final conversation with his disciples. He has washed their feet. And you, if you were in Bible class, you may have talked about that today. And he's in the middle of the final conversation he's going to have with them. And for John, that looks a little bit different than you might think compared to the other Gospels as far as what happens. There's no Last Supper to speak of in John. But Jesus is talking to his disciples. And the, the premise is, look, I'm about to leave, but I'm not going to abandon you. And here are some things I want you to know going forward. Because things are going to get tough for them. They don't realize how tough it's going to get, but Jesus does. 
And Jesus wants to make sure that their connections are strong. And so he begins to talk to them about staying connected, even in a different context, even when he is not physically with them anymore. We're going to pick up our reading in John 15, beginning in verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to me to be my disciples. And Jesus uses a lot of imagery about vine and branches, and that's an image they would have been used to. In fact, in the temple, the entrance to the holy place, there was a big golden vine hanging, and people would come and leave golden items there, and the metal workers would just add it to the vine. They're used to this kind of imagery. I don't know if, as I read that passage, you picked up on any words that you heard a lot, but the word remain is pretty common. It shows up seven times just in this chapter. When we think remain, I don't want you to think passive, like just don't go anywhere, just be, be still. That's not really it. It has to do with inhabiting or dwelling, lingering, continuing, standing fast. When the same word gets used in a noun, it's dwelling place. But this is all over John's gospel. 16 of the 21 chapters have this word remain, and it is the source for our theme this year, this with idea. This is the key passage. This is the one that many of us on staff were talking about and dwelling in as we thought about what word could we use, and that's where Stacy just cut through all the clutter and said, I think the word with is what we're going for in this chapter, and it really is. You think about this word and how much it shows up in John. It, it shows up when the Spirit comes down as a dove and dwells. It remains on Jesus. There's a lot of talk about the disciples staying with Jesus, physically going to where he is and being there. John tells us that his word dwells in us, chapter 5. It's a common word in John and we ought to pay attention when it shows up this much remain in me Jesus says and I will remain in you keep going in verse 9 as the father has loved me so have I loved you now remain in my love if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in, the name, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Some final words from Jesus to his disciples and how deep they are. You notice the progression of how love flows in this chapter. So the Father has loved the Son, and the Son loves us, and we love each other. It's not based on anything superficial. It's based on the deep, rich, sacrificial love of the Father that flows through the Son into each of you, and you are commanded then to let that flow out to others. Jesus is not just talking empty here. He has demonstrated this kind of sacrificial love. In chapter 10, he's the shepherd who loves and knows his sheep. In chapter 11, he risks his safety to go bring a friend, Lazarus, back to life. In chapter 13, he's on the ground with a towel, washing dirty feet. And really, what does love look like in this chapter? To lay down our lives for each other. Jesus doesn't say lay down your lives for me. He says lay down your lives for each other. And guess what he's about to do in the coming days. Jesus is speaking of love from a rich trove of personal practice. He's modeling for them what it's like to love each other sacrificially. Then he says... You're not servants, you're friends. Now, it's tempting and understandable to think that he's somehow giving them like a promotion from servant to friend. But think about this for a moment. Let's assume he means servant in the sense of someone that you pay to do a job. And I understand there's a bunch of different ways that concept was at work in the first century. If you're a servant, there's a certain time when you're off the clock. You don't have to take that call in the evening. You don't have to work that extra time if you don't want. I'm I'm a servant and I have a job and I'm doing this because we have an agreement here. You pay me this money, I do these jobs. Friends don't get to be off the clock, do they? I think it might be a more difficult calling to be Jesus' friend than his servant because I don't get to say, you know what, I'm busy I'll, I'll come into my regularly scheduled time. Friends don't get to do that, do we? Moses gets called a friend of God, and I don't think things were very easy for him. When I read this chapter, and I think about the word remain, and I think about everything going on here, the word that sticks out to me is this idea of connection. I think it's all over the place. It's all about staying connected to Jesus, staying connected to each other. But the thing about this The thing about it is this, that connection is going to require intention. It does not happen automatically. Connection is not easy. It doesn't show up by default. Connection takes our intention. That's what Jesus is saying here. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to each other. We're part of this plant that grows together. And nothing is independent. We're all in this together. And this connection, this intentional connection... I think it usually looks like sacrifice. I don't know about you, but connection is not easy. Now, as I think about our context here, I wonder 
if the most valuable thing we have to sacrifice when it comes to connection is our time. Different ones of us have the potential to bring in more money. That's not always limited for some of us. But all of us have the exact same amount of time. And time, I've come to believe, is perhaps our most valuable commodity when it comes to staying connected to Jesus and staying connected to each other. I wonder how good we are at making time for each other, to stay connected as Jesus commands. You know, people have told me a lot about, they said, when you're moving to Dallas, here's some things you need to know. And one of the things someone told me, and this may or may not be true, I wonder if you think it's true. They said, Dallas is one of the friendliest cities, and it's the hardest place to make friends. Some of you who are newer might resonate with that. And I, I don't know how true that is, and all of us have different experiences, but I suspect that might be true for some of you, that everyone's friendly, but it's really hard to actually make deep connections because perhaps we're so stuck in weak tie mode. We want weak ties, people we can call on if we need them, but we don't really want to be vulnerable and make friends with them. This hit true for me, not so much here, but when, I, when we were making our move from Oklahoma City to here, I just had this realization. Uh, you know, I was on a large staff and I thought, all my friends are my coworkers. And I'm about to leave. And like, I don't have any, I don't have any friends <laughs> except the people I worked with. And that's on me. And I remember thinking toward the end, like, I should have done a better job cultivating friends that have nothing to do with my employment. And so I've decided here, like, I'm going to make some friends uh, outside of coworkers. I love my coworkers. They're some of my best friends. But at some point, we're not all going to be here, and I'd like to have some friends that aren't tied to my job. I think, honestly, part of that is why I'm particularly sad about Brian's passing. Like, Brian, he was on my list to be friends with. I wanted to be friends with this guy. I liked being around him. And so I'm determined, though, to be intentional about cultivating friends because that kind of connection is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this chapter. One recent book that's been a real help to me, it's by Justin Whitmill Early, and you may have heard different ones of us talk about him, but his most recent book is called Made for People. This is really about connection to others. He, he has some previous books that are really good about intentional connection to God. Justin talks about some daily and weekly, monthly rhythms he has for different types of friends. How he gets together with them at different times for different purposes. So he'll get together with a small group of friends once a week. He'll get together with a larger group of friends once a year and go you know, campfire hiking and all that kind of stuff. But, but that doesn't just happen. You know this, right? It doesn't just happen. We are calendar and schedule people, aren't we? So if people are your priority, then put the people on your calendar. If you want to be connected, it's going to have to take planning. It's not going to happen when you happen to be free. Because I don't know about you, but that doesn't happen very often for me. I don't just happen to have time for people. But if people are my priority, I want to put them on my schedule because that will ensure, or at least make it much more likely, that I will spend time with them. Everything in this chapter 
is about intentional connection with Jesus and intentional connection with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think in a scattered and busy culture, that may be more important than ever, but it might take more work than ever because it's not going to happen casually. Jesus did not die so that he could be a weak tie for us. Right? He didn't pray in the garden so that we could just say a quick little prayer on our commute and call it good. And he didn't die so that he could fit into our schedule if nothing better comes along. And he wasn't raised from the dead so that we could spend time with him if, I don't know, league sports don't interfere. Okay? It's going to be, oh, okay. It's going to be hard. I know what we're up against, okay? And nobody needs another guilt trip about their time. It's not about commitment. It's not about our hearts. It's about priority. And it's going to take intentionality to stay connected. And we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can stay connected to Jesus and to each other without making significant time commitments. Jesus says, remain in me. That's not a passive act. That takes intentionality. And I've seen what happens when we intend to do something. And if we intend to stay connected, I'm confident that we can make it happen. So I want to close by showing you another work of art. I've been doing this a lot lately, and you know, I don't want to get too much in a rut. But So this is a painting by a guy named Tintoretto. And it was kind of a, I don't know, 1500s painting. And he's, he's depicting the foot washing that many of you talked about in class. And, you know, you can kind of make out some characters. There's, uh, I think, Jesus... Uh, and Peter over on the right, and there's Judas isolated on the left. There's the disciples who comically are trying to, I don't know, remove their pants somehow to get their feet washed. I don't know what's going on here. There's the last, uh, the room where the Last Supper is being held. So that, that all seems normal. Do you see what's front and center in this painting? It's a dog. Now, how many... Religious paintings have you seen with a dog in them? Not very common. And in fact, this painter had to go through the Inquisition because you can't have irreverence in your works of art about Jesus. You can't do that. But somehow this passed. Passed with the dog front and center. So here's what most people think. And I think this is a fitting close. You want to symbolize something that has a sacrificial love for others, who is loyal, who is connected, who knows what it means to stay with someone. Perhaps the best image we could leave ourselves with is that of the faithful dog who's front and center while all this action is happening, who stays there and is connected to all the people around. Greater love has no one than this. They lay down their lives for each other. The least we can do is to be intentional about our connections with each other as Jesus commands us here in John 15. Let's stand and sing.